That's right, everybody. Welcome back to 80s High, the podcast that, despite its newness, can't seem to shake the funk of 40,000 years. I'm your host, Chris. And I'm Ben, your podcast host. Oh my gosh. (laughs) Sorry, I was inspired. I had to. It's still new in the school year. How do the lockers already have the funk of 40,000 years? Which is the best phrase. The funk of 40,000 years. Ever. Where did you pull that from? What is that? What's the funk of 40,000 years? It's from Vincent Price's monologue. Oh yeah, okay, right, good. Yeah, come on, that's the best part. Oh my gosh. I've been on summer break. I'm not up to speed on getting all my homework (laughs) done yet. I've got cliff notes in it at the moment. I got to get back in in the vibe. Well, folks, it is the final week of the month of October. It is the week of Halloween. Halloween, October 31st. It's coming up quick. Super duper excited. Again, we've talked ad nauseum how we love this time of the year. And I just thought if we're going to go out, we have to go out with Michael Jackson's Thriller. Oh, this is a great pick. I'm so excited. Not only that, if we're going to go out with Michael Jackson's Thriller, we have to have a guest worthy of joining us for the discussion. And that guest is none other than our friend, our classmate, class of 80s high, herself. Janet Jackson! Whoa. (laughs) Wait, you didn't get Janet? I thought you said you got Janet for this. We pinged her agent. We've really tried. No, you didn't get her? Okay, we got the next best We had to go to our number two spot. We got the number two after Janet Jackson. And quite frankly, we got somebody better. We got Reagan to join us on the podcast. Reagan, thank you so much for being here. Thank you so much for having me. I am happy to be Penny's understudy any day. <laughs> Glad to be a secondhand Demita Joe. I'm good. <laughs> and I just have uh, to say, Reagan is a listener of the show. We've talked a lot about it. And she more or less in class passed me a note and said, here are topics that you need to discuss. And moreover, you need to have me on to discuss. And I was like, yes, ma'am, I will do exactly that. (laughs) And here we are talking about just one of those topics. Since it is the week of Halloween, I do want to ask you guys really fast. I really got in the mood today. I finally carved the pumpkin that I bought last week at the pumpkin patch. Okay. It was a weird carving. I I asked my son, what do you want on the pumpkin? And he said, octopus. He can't say the full word yet, but... So I had to carve a Halloween octopus, which is a strange adaptation. But you're 10 years old. You're going trick-or-treating. What candy are you two hoping to find in your bag? 10-year-old Chris wants Snickers. And I know that doesn't sound like a kid's candy. Yeah. I love the Snickers. That's a very developed palate for a 10-year-old. It's good. Reagan. I feel like, so yes to Snickers, but only because of the currency it carried when my brothers would hustle me in post-Halloween poker. Oh, the trade. Snickers was worth more. And depending on if you went trick-or-treating in, say, a wealthier neighborhood, these people gave out full bars. We're not talking about the cute trial size. We're talking (laughs) like- you. Okay, I just have to say right now, you guys gamed- Trick or treating so well, like you I thought get we went to decent the right block. Yeah, I never got a full size, let alone a king size. We were getting the fun. Yeah, exactly. You you know how to do this, right? Congratulations. Yeah. But did you have one that you actually did like? 
I was in love with, and I still am, I love Kit Kats and I love uh, mm. classic Hershey bars. Mm. Ooh. Those are good yeah. too. I was very into chocolate as a, as a little person. <sighs> so yeah, chocolate over candy for me then. Now I'm candy over chocolate. But Ben, you couldn't do a lot of chocolate, right? Like, right. No, yeah. Allergies. If, if, if I was put up against Reagan's brothers, I'm coming at the table with like candy corn and stuff. I had no leverage. I was I was useless <laughs> in the post uh, trick or treating. <laughs> Hence, why I have the totally warped palate of like Twizzlers and Skittles are good candy. Like <laughs> that was my problem as a kid, as an allergy uh, kid. Yeah, we covered that all in sweet treats. All I in sweet thought tre- you'd like oh. the throwback. Actually, I'm sorry. I have to also add in there Reese's Pieces. I love those as a kid. Yes. Royce's Pieces are good. Very good. Reese's Pickies. Mm. <laughs> that was my jam. <laughs> well, good luck. I hope you both get lots of treats, not too many tricks here to, this week. Nice. But no lie. Do you remember when people would give you like a cassette tape or they give you like a nickel or they give you like a little booklet? A and track. you're like, what are yeah. you giving me? Yeah. I'm like, yeah. Just just Hold close on. your door I'm and don't sorry. give people out anything. People gave you demo tapes when you were trick-or-treating? What was Not on the demo tapes, I Not wish. Not demo tapes. I wish. <laughs> You're like, look, I'm struggling. I'm really a kid. Yeah. Give your parents this. Yeah, I'm, I'm coming up. up. Here's my single. Can you do, do you know any record producers? <laughs> help, no. Help us out. <laughs> do you know Barry Gordy? Get him in his hand. No. This is called 40,000 Years of Funk. I'm trying to get it on the radio. Help me out. <laughs> 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 we are uh, off the rails at home room. Okay. This is great. No, I love every minute of this. <laughs> this is great. My extrasensory perception is picking up. I think we're going to hear announcements right about... Yeah, no. Attention, 80s high. I'm assistant to the assistant principal, Ms. Edith Rump, here to share today's homeroom announcement. Increase your daily dose of 80s nostalgia by following 80s High Podcasts on Instagram and Twitter. Today's lunch menu will be loaf of meat with puree of potatoes and gravy. Get your side ponytails wagging by joining the class of 80s High, which is a great way for you, yes you, to suggest show topics Send corrections on stuff they got wrong in episodes and share other memories and opinions on the 80s, which we will read on the show. Email 80shighpodcast at gmail.com to join. After school today, the fashion club will be meeting at the gymnasium for the penultimate meeting themed, If It Isn't Neon, It Should Be On. Lastly, the Fighting Mogwai's chess team is fighting for the state championship tomorrow. Be there, adult. Thank you, and have a tubular day. Go Mogwai's. All right. Well, what do you say we moonwalk Ooh. down the hallway to history class? What do y'all say? It's gonna, I mean, I'll be there Let's in like probably it. half an hour. It's going to take me a while. I'm not super good at the moonwalk. But I'm gonna try it. <laughs> Points for effort and spirit. Let's do this. A minute. So Ben and I were like just stumbling backwards. We were really trying and we Which was good for the thrill dance. Me trying a moonwalk ends up looking like a zombie stumbling down <laughs> the hallway. So I was in it. I was wow. ready. I was thematically wow. on it. Oh my gosh. Reagan, can you I, I mean, I'm just getting to meet you. Can you dance? Can you pull off some moves? I try. Yeah. I can. Okay. How good of a dancer always is it should be balanced with who you're dancing near. Mm. Ooh, right? interesting. I'm in a room full of people who have a little less rhythm. I'm sure. amazing. Right? <laughs> amazing. <laughs> but maybe at my family's cookouts. 
Oh, yeah. And other gatherings. Eh, maybe I'm not the best in the room. Okay. A lot of like actual dancers. You're just sort of, that is the expected level of talent. Yeah. yeah. Listen, I'm sure we'll talk about dancing some more because MJ. Why but... would dance come up in this episode? What are yeah. you talking about? I have about? no idea. Have no clue. It's, not on, it's not on my talking points. <laughs> yeah, I just have no to say, I guess we could one. chuck it on the docket, but yeah. <laughs> oh, man. <laughs> Okay, folks, what I want to do is kind of set a bit of the stage in Michael Jackson's career that leads up to the Thriller album. So let's talk a little bit about Michael Joseph Jackson. He's born in 1958. Uh, Maybe heard of him, American singer, songwriter, and dancer. Oh, there, we got to dancing already. Look at that, like two lines in. Two lines in. Two steps in, one might say. (laughs) Indeed. He is regarded as one of the most significant cultural figures in the 20th century, Michael is the eighth child of the Jackson family, and he made his professional debut in 1964 with his elder brothers, Jackie, Tito, Jermaine, and Marlon, as a member of the Jackson Five. Jackson then went on to begin his solo career in 1971 while he was still at Motown Records. And then seven years later, 1978, he was on the set of a movie called The Wiz that you might well have heard of. Also, this is where he meets with Mr. Quincy Jones. And says, hey, do you know someone who could produce my next album? I want to do a solo album. What do you think? And Quincy's like, I think I can do it. What do you say? So they team up together for what becomes Off the Wall. This is his fifth solo album. So he's like cranking these albums out. MJ's not messing around here. But this is the one that really kind of sets him as a solo star. It sells like, I think, 10 million copies around the time he starts working on the next album. And it's gone on to sell at least 10 million more. And really, this album made Jones one of the most powerful record producers in the industry at that time. By setting off on this solo career, Michael really kind of got away from his bubblegum pop roots with the Jackson 5 and was really going into like, he wanted more complex sounds. He wanted a lot more going on. He's like, let's ratchet up the stakes more, more, more. Mm. And their second collaboration is a little album called Thriller. Never heard of it. Did it do well? Is this like a bootleg underground thing? <laughs> it was a demo tape that I got for Halloween. That's well, why we're talking about it. Yeah, trick or that's, you brought it to light. Thanks for making this happen for everybody. Oh, uh, <laughs> But I will say this. The years between Off the Wall and Thriller were a transitional period for Jackson. Again, he's kind of coming into his own uh, in his personal life and his professional career, and he was really unhappy during this time. He said, this is a quote, even at home, I'm lonely. I sit in my room sometimes and cry. It's so hard to make friends. I sometimes walk around the neighborhood at night just hoping to find someone to talk to, but I just end up coming home. And this is also a point where he's feeling shunned by the music industry. Mm. Uh, He really felt that off the wall underperformed. Uh, he didn't think that the label was really doing right by him. And he was also not getting on magazines because he said at the time, black folks were not on cover of magazines because they're basically saying this isn't going to sell copies. And so Michael's like, you know what? He goes to his manager and says, I want to be the biggest and wealthiest star in show business. And one of these days, they'll be begging me for an interview. If that's not premonition, I don't know what is. Yeah, holy crap. I love the determination. That seems like a very like Muhammad Ali sort of determination of like, I'm going to be the greatest and I'm just going to do it. Yeah. <laughs> and like, hold on <laughs> for the ride. Like, uh, you got to love that. We were talking about this off mic, but Jackson said, I want an album where every song was a killer. He's like, why is like a couple good songs and then a bunch of B-sides, right? He's like, I want everything 
amazing earworm the best. He said, this is the purpose of my next album. I don't know. Do you guys think he succeeded in that? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, Reagan, what, what were you saying about, right before we started, about like um, the banger quality of the album? There are nine songs on this album, and all of them except for one are very easily top of mind memorable hits. So I think he accomplished <laughs> what he set out to do. What other album has done that? Like, I'm sure others have, Very but few. so few, right? Like, you Very would few. really struggle. I think, like, Smash Mouth's with All Star on it. That was a pretty big. <laughs> that was pretty good. Wow. <laughs> I think most artists set out to, you hope for, especially in more modern times, you hope for maybe three singles and a couple of remixes of those singles that carry the weight of the other. Like, right. most people go into knowing they're going to have fillers. And part of the genius of MJ as an artist was not settling, right? Mm -hmm. Not settling for anything less than what he knew was possible. Yeah, we're going to see that theme time and again, where he's like, I'm not doing the status quo. I'm not doing the industry standard. I'm shooting for the stars. We can also just say, though, like he'd been in the industry for, you know, yeah. 25 years already right. and had already broken us. So like, why should he, right? He's not, he, mm -hmm. he may have been stepping out as a solo artist, but he wasn't new. <laughs> yeah. It's not like people were like, we don't know if folks are going to come to your shows. Yeah. We don't know <laughs> if anyone's going to listen to this. Like it wasn't, it was not that big of a risk. So I found right. it really very interesting and surprising that the transition was as, as rocky as it, as it seemed to have been. I'm actually very curious Eight of those nine songs you said are bangers and top for you. One mm -hmm. is not. Can you mm -hmm. tell what can you will you share what the one is that doesn't hit home for you? If you could just start humming the melody of Baby Be Mine, I will take it back. <laughs> uh Baby Be Mine is your Oh no no no, it's Oh Baby Baby. Oh no, that's different. Um <laughs> Please we, never do that do again. Do we just sing two completely <laughs> wrong baby songs that you were going for? And yet the others include Wanna Be Starting Something, mm -hmm. where classically <laughs> somebody was a vegetable. Um, the Girl is Mine, The Doggone mm -hmm. Girl oh, is Mine, yeah. Beat It, Human Nature, The Lady in My Life, Thriller, Billie Jean, and PYT. But do we even know what Baby V Mine sounds like? I will say there's like two or three I can't immediately identify. I'd probably recognize, but by the title, I can't. I'm judging you. I know. Which ones? I'm used to it. No, let me judge you out loud. Which ones? I am struggling to remember Human Nature and Pretty Young Thing. Like off the top why, of my head. Why? Tell them that is human nature. Why? Why does he do me that way? I don't know if I know that. I, you know what? You can just look at me with daggers. It's okay. Oh, <laughs> a judgment. Okay, what was the other one? Uh, pretty Young Thing. I want to love you, PYT, Pretty Young Thing. You, I can't. I don't Come understand. at me, come I'm at me, friends. come at me. How are get we friends? Me. <laughs> how? You do this? We do this all the time, right? I and know, she's like, but how? If it makes you feel better, when I started singing the song you requested, I I, really, I just Googled and realized I was singing Baby, I'm Yours by Barbara Lewis. So if that makes you feel better <laughs> about missing the mark. You should feel way better. <laughs> I will just say this. The rest of these songs, I guess it would depend, thinking of the 80s were a different time. Radio there. stations were slash remain hella segregated. And mm. all of the rest of these songs were in very heavy rotation on R&B stations. Yeah, mm -hmm. just like very okay. heavy rotation. So 
I do not, and we we own the album in my house, and I do not recall, I cannot tell you a single lyric from Baby Be Mine. I don't even know if that's just the title or if the words are actually in the song. I don't <laughs> know. <laughs> but the other eight songs are all still in heavy rotation, maybe not necessarily on the radio, but certainly for all of us who enjoy nostalgia and classic yeah. R&B. So we've been talking about this album. Thriller is the sixth studio album. And it's released in November of 1982. And this is the second album that Michael does under Epic Records. So this and Off the Wall is after he left Motown Records, moved to Epic. Mm -hmm. Uh, And as I mentioned, he wanted a more complex sound. And this, you kind of get a mix of pop, you get rock, you get funk, you get R&B, you get what's called post-disco. Though you certainly get disco beats and stuff like Billie Jean. Mm -hmm. You also see Michael kind of getting into some like darker themes, some sense of paranoia, and certainly the song Thriller and the music video we're going to talk about goes deep into those themes. Also, just an interesting side note, during this time frame is when Motown 25, Yesterday, Today, Forever airs. This is a television special celebrating 25 years of Motown Records. Oh, nice. And this is where Michael Jackson performs Billie Jean on stage. And this is where he debuts the Moonwalk Dance. This is the origin of that, which is incredible. And because of this performance, the album sales skyrocketed, selling 1 million copies per week. Because of this performance alone. I hate to do this, but I'm always trying to be like inclusive of bringing people into 80s high. And it scares me that this might need to be something to be explained. Can one of you explain what the moonwalk is? Oh, I really thought you were going to say explain what Motown is. Or Motown too. But yeah, like, like the moonwalk people might not know. So Motown was the like legendary recording label. And it was one that signed the Jackson 5, among many other legends, like from the 60s on, um, was based in Detroit, etc. When they got together to celebrate 25 years of this company, it just so happened that Michael was really trying to set himself apart from his brothers. There was still some overlap. There were some things happening, but he really wanted to do his own sort of dedication and celebration of everything that Motown had done for him. Mm. And he's singing Billie Jean. A song about a curious situation. Um, (laughs) That is such a diplomatic way to put it. A curious situation. And he's in a black sequin suit with a white sequin top and white slouch socks that are also covered in sequins. And he's wearing a single glove. And so he's looking super cool and every bit the like showman. And he is, you know tapping his foot, and then all of a sudden he starts to glide backwards across the stage, like foot by foot by foot by foot, but his feet never actually leave the ground, and it almost looks like he's floating. Mm. And it looked like magic, right? Mm -hmm. Which is ironic. Maybe it's not ironic. Maybe it was intentional, but even there was magic in the music video where the music video for Billie Jean was such that he looked like every step he took on the sidewalk made the sidewalk light up. The thing that we knew about Michael since he was a nine-year-old, right, was that he was an epic, natural dancer. Even if you gave him choreography, wonderful. But if you just had a beat some rhythm, (laughs) his body would move, right? In a way that just seemed like everybody tried to do it and not everybody could. And this was just another thing that cemented 
the cool factor, right? It, he's the one that he's the trendsetter. He's the culture creator. And this was one of those moments. And the irony is I feel like people thought about the moonwalk as like a major part of this performance. A, it was impromptu. B, it was like all of three seconds. Yeah. <laughs> like, he's so fast it in it. so fast. So in, back in the day, uh, for folks who need the context about what a moonwalk is, uh, <laughs> there was no DVR. There was no way to rewind live TV. Yeah. If you weren't sitting in front of the television, crowded around it with your family at that moment, you missed it. It might not actually be reported on the news the next day because popular culture wasn't part of real news yeah, <laughs> at right. the time. It was just like a thing everybody talked about. So it was a lot of like, we saw it and then it was like, okay, how do we do it? So we tore up many a wall-to-wall carpet Yeah, in all of our 80s homes trying to figure out how to practice it. We got rug burn on our feet. Like there was all kinds of like craziness going on, but everyone everywhere was trying to figure out how do I do it and look that smooth? Awesome. I would argue no one has. To this day. No. To no this day. day. Yeah. No. I love your throwback, Reagan, of just like, it was a time when we weren't recording everything and news didn't report on pop culture, which just built the legend of it. That you were like, yo, did you see what MJ did last night? And they're like, no. Right, you're like, right. you're not going to believe it. And it, <laughs> it just builds this, this spoken word legend rather than like, we can all just pull yeah. it up on YouTube the next day. It makes it so much more special. It's like a, like a shooting star that you just mm. talk about for the rest of the It was absolutely week. magical to see it because, and I mentioned what he was wearing because the lighting, it did what, inte- what, what it's meant to do. Like if you're wearing sequins yeah. and the light catches them as you move, it looks like your feet are sparkling, right? Yeah. And I think the other cool thing was, you know, he was doing it in a pair of penny loafers. Right, like it was something that, like, from for those of us that had to wear uniforms to school, or yeah. you know, our parents didn't have a lot of money to buy like the most expensive sneakers or, or things like that. You had saddle shoes and you had penny loafers because that's what you're gonna afford, right? Yeah. And so it also took something super regular. And it was like, <laughs> I know later in time we get to the it's got to be the shoes with like Michael Jordan, but this was the time where it was like, okay, I have those shoes. Yeah, I think I could try this. <laughs> like, you get to be delusional. That's right. <laughs> That's a cool step away. move, though. I like that a lot. Yeah, and as Reagan mentioned, a lot of bangers on this album, seven singles, and they all reached top 10 on the U.S. Billboard Hot 100 chart. That's insane. Setting the record for the most top 10 singles from one album, and hmm. Beat It and Billie Jean both reached number one on that chart. 32 million copies sold worldwide by the end of 1983. Wow. This has gone on to, no shockers, be the best-selling album of all time. Oh. And it went on to be the second best-selling album in the United States. Only one more. Ben, you found it. What was it? The Eagles? It's second to that Smash Mouth album. I can't. I cannot. <laughs> I cannot. <laughs> I can't. Might as well be walking on the sun. Right? That is huge. Wait, was that the Smash Mouth song? That's Smash yeah, Mouth. Yeah. That's Smash Mouth. Time out. Are they the band that's in Clueless? No, that is Mighty Mighty Boss Tones. Oh, yeah. I can see how that, that could be. <laughs> uh, and only recently, in the last three years, the uh, the Eagles' greatest hits surpassed it. We're going to pretend we didn't hear that. But anyway, just, I guess it's, it's fact. <laughs> we can't overlook it. But my goodness, how many times do you think this album has been certified platinum? Guesses? Nine. I don't even know. Nine? Reagan, you got a guess? 20? 34. Wow. Oh, I didn't know that was possible. I know, because I think this is the only album that's done it. Holy so wow. in 2021, 
know we're jumping ahead to contemporary culture, but in 2021, 34 times platinum. That's amazing. My goodness. Wow. Blanket's never going to have to work. So that's the album. Let's zoom in a little bit to the song. We're getting closer to this music video. Yes. The song Thriller was the seventh and final single of the album in January 1984. This song is written by English songwriter Rod Temperton, and he wanted to write a theatrical song to suit Jackson's love of film. He settled on the title Thriller because he felt the name had merchandising potential. Do you guys think that worked out? Yep. A thousand percent. (laughs) I don't know, a little bit. And in addition, they wanted a notable person to recite the closing lyrics. Mm. And Quincy Jones brought in actor Vincent Price. Oh. Vincent's going to be darkness falls across the land. The midnight hours close at hand. Yeah, all that kind of stuff. Vincent Price of fame and notoriety of being the host in House on Haunted Hill, an incredible horror movie that's basically any any movie plot you've seen where it gathers a bunch of people together for some mysterious purpose or reason. Yeah. House on Haunted Hill and Vincent Price as the host is the origin. Yeah, exactly. And like, who else do you get to do this fantastic, creepy monologue? It's so freaking good. So good. And he apparently completed his part in just two takes. Of course he did. Comes Classic in, ass. does his bit, out the door. So great. And Temperton, the writer, he said that the spoken portion that Vincent did, he wrote in a taxi on the way to the recording studio. I mean, How about that? <laughs> that is brilliant. Isn't that great? It's like when you're on the bus and you forgot to do the homework and you're like, by the time this bus pulls up to school, I have to have this homework done. <laughs> Been there. You know we'll what? ride that bus this week. We feel you, Temperton. <laughs> ride right that bus this there. week. <laughs> like, the only other legendary person I've heard of doing such an amazing thing is a Fife Dog from Trap Call Quest, who was notoriously last minute in writing his verses and would write them on the subway on the way to the studio. And That's they're like amazing. the legendary things that we all like still quote. So yes, it's That's of course insane. he did. Of course he was like in the back of a cab and is like, right? yeah, sure, okay, cool. That is peak procrastinator. <laughs> that is peak functional procrastinator, I, I should say. My people. Like, my oh, so good, so good. <laughs> okay, ladies and gentlemen, we finally made our way to Thriller the Music video. So let's talk a little bit about what this music video plot is. Yeah. So When it starts off, it's set in the 1950s. Michael Jackson and a young woman, played by Ola Ray, run out of gas while driving in a wooded area. They're stuck in the forest. (laughs) Michael asks her to be his girlfriend. I'm sorry, what did you say? Did I miss something funny? Oh, allegedly. He even looks at her and goes, what? I really did run out of gas. Allegedly. Yeah, right. We never know. This is the great thriller controversy. Reagan has a whole series of red flags we are so going to get to. I want to hear them all. I love this. Okay. I'm going to put a pin in it. Red flag number one. There's a lot of red flags to get through. Okay. Asks her to be his girlfriend. She accepts. And then he says, I'm not like other guys. And then... Proceeds to transform into a werecat, like you do. Which is an important distinction we're going to get it's into later is werecat. He's not a werewolf, he is a werecat. There's a very we important can't. distinction for yes. reasons we will mention. And then the video kind of shifts sideways, and you see that this is a movie that Michael and his girlfriend, also played by Ola Ray, same person, and they're in the theater. She gets kind of freaked out and wants to leave, and then Michael starts to tease her, and that's where the song finally picks up. They pass by a graveyard. That's where we get the Vincent Price. Darkness falls across the land. And the undead start coming out of their graves. And then the couple is surrounded by zombies. 
They are freaking out. The zombies close in. Ola Ray turns around. Who's a zombie? But Michael Jackson. Another transformation. Another transformation, exactly. That's where we get the legendary dance sequence. And then they finish out the song. And then after the song wraps up, she runs into an abandoned house under chase by the group of zombies led by Michael. They're busting into the house. It's super scary. She's freaking out. She's on the couch. They're closing in. And then you realize, oh, it's all just a dream. She was asleep. Michael's like, hey, let me walk you home. They embrace. He looks over his shoulder with the werewolf eyes. Yeah, so good. This music video is 13 minutes, 42 seconds long. Distinction. Not technically a music video, a short film. Very it is a short film. Oh, yes. They very were. intentionally. You are not wrong. Thank you. Framed as a short film because he wanted to change the game. Again, as if he hasn't changed the game enough already. He's like, you know what? I mean, this is my last music video off of this album. This is the last single off of this album. But guess what? We're not cutting corners. So this was released in December 1983. So apparently the music video is released before the single on the radio station, which I thought was interesting. Whoa, that's weird. Yeah, because that came out in January. Okay. As I mentioned, it co-stars Ola Ray. She was a model and actor and reportedly was crazy for Michael. And when she came in audition, had a great smile. Who wasn't? You're so right. She had a great Mm -hmm. smile and just the chemistry by all accounts between the two of them were real. It wasn't forced. Jackson also teams up with film director, producer, screenwriter, John Landis, after Michael saw an American werewolf in London. And he's like, once again, to Reagan's point, changing the game, I want that movie director to direct my movie, my music video movie, and basically calls up John Landis. And John's like, I make movies. What are you talking about? But through the conversation, was convinced. Well, and I I love in the making of documentary that somebody was like, hey, Michael Jackson's on the phone. He's like, the little kid from the Jackson (laughs) 5? And they're like, yeah. John Landis. But what's also really impressive of this time is like, American Werewolf in Paris is not John's like out of the gate. Like Landis had already directed Blues Brothers and Animal House, which are like wild comedies. But like Michael was so impressed by the werewolf transformation in American Werewolf in Paris, but also liked that John had sort of this like dark comedy, like in a commentary on Mm -hmm. horror in American Werewolf in Paris. And he's like, I think that's kind of the vibe I want for Thriller, hence his interest in, in John Landis. Yeah, so this was done on a budget of 900000 And I'll spare you the details, but basically there was a lot of back and forth between MTV, between Epic Records, between Showtime, and other interests about who's actually going to fund this thing. Because remember, MTV started in 1981. That is basically two years before this comes out. It is a brand new medium, and this is not something they had done before. But Michael's like, Listen, I'm making a movie, y'all. This is not a freaking music video. Music videos at the time, you said $900,000 budget for this. Music videos at the time were averaging about $100,000. The original budget for this was actually a half a million dollars. And they hustled up another three hundred and fifty dollars by looping in Showtime and looping yeah. in... There was another like production company, right, saying like this is actually going to be a film, and so what we are do is we're gonna we're gonna also have another camera crew following us around to film the making of Thriller, right? And if you pay us, 
one group gave 250, another group gave another 100,000, then that's how they funded all the other things. And they still blew it and went to 900. Right. (laughs) (laughs) Like the 850 wasn't enough, right? But it started off much smaller, but there were some like, very interesting strategy in a creative way that I don't think, as we all remember what music videos look like back then, like, bruh, the special effects were like terrible, non-existent, but also very fantastic because we were all like, wow. Yeah, right. right. And this just took it up to another level. But also some of those videos I think were made for like $200. Like Ben, you said 100K for a lot of them. Some of them look like (laughs) I made them in my rec room downstairs or something. Yeah, for sure. So it was a game changer in that regard as well, because it was not just how it's made, but how it's Mm -hmm. funded. Absolutely. For the zombie dance Jackson teamed up with choreographer Michael Peters. He had worked with Michael on the Beat It video, which was the first single off of this album. You might actually know who Michael Peters is. He plays the one of the gang leaders who's in the white jacket mustache when they're doing the dance-off. Oh, it's so good. I also need to throw out in the documentary, Michael Peters does not have time for your sass or your BS. <laughs> That dude comes to work. Like, that guy is awesome. I love it. And fun 80s high crossover fact, he choreographed the Pat Benatar Love is a Battlefield music video. Also had the shoulder shimmy dance that we talked about in an earlier episode. Okay, that's awesome. It's all coming full circle. (laughs) Great. Good catch. Good catch. So Deborah Nadulman, she's Landis's wife, John Landis's wife, and... She had like recently worked on the film Raiders of the Lost Ark. She was a costume designer, and she's the one who designed Michael Jackson's red jacket that we all oh, know, love, yes. wanted, Icon. needed, parents couldn't yeah. afford, we Nobody. wind and bellyate, <laughs> get over it, go to school. Yeah. Also, makeup effects are amazing in this, of course. Yeah. Artist Rick Baker created all those creature effects. By the way, Ben... Rick Baker came up before on this podcast as well, Harry and the Hendersons. Yeah, right, because he also did Harry. I mean, there's actually, there's a really intense, like, great Easter egg in Thriller that ties to Ricky Baker, but I'll leave oh, it. I know exactly I'll, what you're talking I'll about. Leave it, I'll leave it for chemistry. I'll leave it for chemistry. And this short film had 20 makeup artists, not surprisingly, and as best as I could tell, 22 dancers. Wow. Again, this is a movie. I mean, it ends with credits. You watch this documentary, what the makeup artists are doing behind the scenes and what Michael goes through. And even Landis was like, Michael, you don't want to do this. You don't want to do this werewolf stuff. It's miserable. He wanted it's to awful. do it, though. And Michael's, mm-hmm. no, I really want to get into it. And so they yeah. go through what Michael endured and then the makeup artists. And it is incredibly impressive what they did for that technology for the makeup. You know what I found really wild is that they didn't, like today, if they're making a cast of your face, They'll put like two like milkshake straws up your nose, right? Like oh, right. the wider yep. ones or yeah. whatever, and then just like goop all over, right? Yep. They didn't do that. He was mm-hmm. just holding his breath for like four minutes. <laughs> oh my God. It, I mean, they had opened up his nostrils, but like he was really just like, they're like, okay, you ready? You ready? And I was like, wait, when are they going to put the things? It's amazing. Not. I have huge respect for anyone who does that ever, let alone on a regular basis, but ever, because that looks awful. Yeah, very impressive. Awful. What dedication to the craft. Oh my goodness. This music video slash movie, I'm going to use the terms interchangeably. Don't come at us, okay? Debuted on MTV alongside the Making Michael Jackson's Thriller documentary behind the scenes feature that we've been talking about. 
on December 2nd, 1983. Reagan mentioned this off mic, but it's like, we always associate this with Halloween, but this came out in December. It didn't come out in October at any point, but obviously it became very associated with it from there on out. What was really interesting, I remember this from the 80s, and I want to talk about this in chemistry class, is after each broadcast, MTV would advertise when they would play it next. Oh. And to Ben, your point earlier, it's like, if you missed it, you're like, wait, was it on last night? Oh, yeah, but they said they'd play it again on this date. And you'd be like, okay, I got to set the VCR. Cancel everything. Be ready. Exactly. Yeah. Exactly. I tried to blast through some stuff. I know we're going to talk way, way more in chemistry. Is there anything, though, that we have to get out of the way in history before we head down the hallway? I have two very tiny nuggets. Michael is 25 years old in this music video. He's a baby. And when I read that, once again, reminded me how little I accomplished in my 20s. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> it's amazing. <laughs> it's incredible. He's 25 in this video. Look what he's pulling off. It's incredible. No, it's amazing. And one one last fact that I thought was fascinating. You think of how long this is. It's a short film. And how much goes into it. How many different sets there are. How many different costume groups. How many different grouping of actors there are in it. They shot this whole thing in four days. I'm sorry. That's amazing. Four days? Yeah. Four days. Well, no wonder Michael Peters didn't have any Fs to give. He had stuff to get done. He had no days. It was incredible. They had 10 days of rehearsals with the with the dancers. Wow. They were so ready, though. It took us years to yeah. try to maybe mess it up at somebody's wedding reception. <laughs> Seriously, right? Like, if you think about it, right? Like, yeah. And, and they, they had 10 days to learn it, and it was, like, sharp. It was on. Professional. Incredible. I'm so impressed. It was great. My goodness. Mm-hmm. Okay, so I love the dance where they like the arms kind of swing <laughs> back and forth. What do you call that? Like the do 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 do. Yeah, that it's looks like perfect. the the arms sway, the shoulders sway. I we don't call know what it, you uh, call it's like that. a wear cat post scratch, cat scratch fever, whatever you want to call it. We're gonna oh, we Reagan's got time video out. just okay. cut out, and I can't hear her audio. She just left. I think she Wait, just it's just came it's out. just silence. She's it's just, just silence. Gone. Why are white people obsessed with naming <laughs> dances the most awkward things ever? Like, what is this? Y'all be coming up with the lawnmower and the sprinkler and all the. Why you have to call it a cat? We can't scr- jump. What we is can't a- dance. You just have to. Why deal. can't it just be a thing that you move? Like, why do we? Why? What is it? Okay, fine. Let's move down the hall to chemistry class. Are you <laughs> happy? It no might joy. Vaguely no resemble joy. a cat scratching a post. I'm just uh, saying. I Okay. <laughs> oh, Reagan is so upset with us right now. I'm kind of surprised she followed us to this classroom. It was very begrudging, but she's here in I chemistry. Don't know. She's so not happy with us. I don't know why. Okay, we are in chemistry class. This is where the fun's going to happen. Not that we haven't been having a blast so far, but I do want to kick off chemistry like we usually do. Can both of you tell me what are your earliest memories of this music video? What do you remember? Thriller was so iconic, right? It's an annual tradition. It's a thing that you know you're going to see it in heavy rotation, especially on the music video, like on MTV, but also back then on BET. Mm -hmm. I had a show called Video Soul. It was going to be around every October. The interesting thing is I very distinctly remember this as if I was experiencing it in real time and I wasn't. Mm, Okay. Like that's how like indelibly iconic it became. And- I was barely a toddler when it actually came out. The way that it's so embedded in like the culture and what made Michael Jackson one of the like very clear arbiters of what was cool 
for me, my family, my friends in the 80s, like Michael's up there with Whitney and Janet and Prince and Stevie. Mm. And Thriller was one of those like iconic things, right? Like I wasn't like a five-year-old going around singing She's Out of My Life. But, but, you know, like I could think about anytime I saw a red jacket, even if it wasn't a leather jacket, if I saw a leather jacket, even if it wasn't red, Mm. if I saw, I feel like there was a moment where whether we wanted to or not, um, and some of this is like class related culture, like if we had high waters on because we couldn't afford to have pants that were proper length, it didn't matter because Michael wore them, it was cool, right? And so having this kind of moment around Halloween every year, like it, it was just baked into what was part of, of, of what was cool. It defined mm. cool in a way that uh, set the tone for my very young life at the time. But I, was, I wasn't I was like a whole, like, I mean, I didn't make words yet, but I was <laughs> apparently like, you know, bopping along like the undead, apparently. <laughs> I just know where we were living at the time. I would have had to have been at about kindergarten or so. So what's that, five years yeah. old, roughly? So it's probably a year or so after this came out. MTV would tell you when it was going to be on. I remember that. I remember like we knew. It wasn't a mystery. Like you just had MTV on and you're like, oh, it's on now. Come into the room. It was an event. And I remember my brother and I would be able to stay up late because MTV would show it in the evening, whenever it was, like nine o'clock. It's not super late, right? But it was past our bedtime. And we got to stay up late on those evenings to watch that. And I remember watching this video and being in awe of it and loving it. I might have been a little scared, but I don't remember being super scared of it. And I also remember watching that making a video. Again, at some point, I don't know if it was at that same time frame or not, but it was definitely around that age. And just being really fascinated by the idea of Because, again, we didn't have DVD commentaries. We didn't have YouTube to run to. We didn't get all this behind-the-scenes content back then. That was very unique Mm -hmm. and rare to get for any kind of culture, any kind of entertainment. And I just remember that being so magical. That's awesome. We've had other topics on the show like this, and I was trying to remember which topic we spoke to this. But Thriller strikes me as something that has always existed. Mm. I don't recall the first engagement because Thriller was like air or sunrise. Like it was just a thing that we all lived in. Mm. And because Thriller came out of my birth year. So I have no recollection of a time before Thriller. Thriller Mm. was part of life. I definitely just remember hearing the song more than -hmm. than the music video really early on. Like always hearing that. And I feel like it was a thing where kids did when they did like when the zombie dance starts that initial twitch. You know, the shoulder raise and the mm. the head to the side. And like people would oh, walk yeah. at you like that. Can I just like add to it? Something that's really important that I don't want to leave out about the significance of it is I had two older brothers and they were very much into horror movies. I watched them probably. I don't think I went to a theater and watched them with them as we were young and growing up. Yeah. <laughs> I lived near an Elm Street, which my brother would always say, don't walk down that street because, you know, whatever, right? Like they were, they, my brothers were terrorists, um, <laughs> as older brothers are. But here's the thing. This music video was the first time I saw black people in horror. Oh, mm. yeah. It's not that it doesn't necessarily exist, but we were the trope. We were, we like died in the beginning or whatever, right? Yeah, exactly. Oh, yeah. And so it was really interesting to see not just two black principal leads in this story that's around horror that has a little bit of comedy. Yeah. And also like to see dancers doing dances that we did. Yeah. Right. Mm. I think that the relatability of it is a huge point. You brought up uh, earlier ago when like the first seeing the moonwalk 
and like he was he cho- mm-hmm. he chose to wear shoes. He he probably had a whole wardrobe uh, on set in that place that one could pick shoes for, and he picked something that was relatable, that was accessible, mm-hmm. that could connect people to the magic he was doing. And I think there's something really huge there with Thriller that not necessarily carried on in other music videos going forward that were like, here's opulent lifestyles and amazing cars yeah. and outfits that are yeah. unreachable for most of us. Mm. I want nice things too. if anybody would like to drop off an aston martin i'll take it (laughs) do you have a gofundme you want to drop on this podcast wow you know what i can start one by the time we're finished recording seriously but she jumped to the aston martin like you're not messing around i really thought about rick ross and aston martin music chris you should google that later (laughs) google that later you don't know who rick ross is He's related to Rick Roll. Uh, question. <laughs> so you point out Thriller didn't come out until like December, the music video, right? Yeah. Mm-hmm. But it is inseparable from Halloween culture. Do either of you know how, I mean, obviously, werecats, zombies, they're like thematic things that go along, but how it became like the iconic thing of Halloween in the Western world, at least. I don't know how, but I'm going to go ahead and venture just by, you know, preparing for class today. I found it really interesting. Like this song and this album stayed on the charts consistently. It mm-hmm. wouldn't be beyond the realm of comprehension to assume that it was still on the charts by the following October, 10 months mm. later. Like based on how much it's selling on a regular basis, based on the sales of the behind the scenes making of documentary, based on MTV's rotation, it wouldn't shock me yeah. if it never left people's consciousness for a whole year. Right, because like Showtime was showing it, the, there were VHS sales, so there's all that distribution of it. The tapes keep circulating, people are recording it off of their VCRs and watching it. And much like his performance of Billie Jean doing the Moonwalk blasted sales of this album yet again. And this was at a point when, when he goes to do this music video, they also don't want to put a lot of money into it because they're like, you're at the end of this album. It's had its run. And so that was part of the resistance for the record label and TV for mm-hmm. others to like want to put a lot of money into it. Cause like it's far exceeded expectations, but it's kind of peaked. It's done. And when this music video comes out, we see another massive spike in sales of the album because it is way past our expectations of what anything is so far. Like this is unheard of in entertainment. One thing I do want to say about this, we've talked about this as a 13 minute, 42 second runtime. One thing about songs is that the way a song progresses is you have a buildup that leads to a chorus. The chorus is meant to be the release of tension. This is the climax of the song. This is where everything kind of just, oh, you finally have that moment of we're here. When I watch this, I am reminded how long it takes to get to the this is thriller. Yeah, You know, that part of it. It takes forever. Do you know how long it takes? Do you know what minute mark it takes to get to the chorus? We're talking 14 minutes. I would love if there's, since we did Alien this month, I would love if there's a lineup of like, I think it's seven, six minutes of no talking at the beginning of Alien. So yeah, I would like to say it's the same amount that there's no dialogue in the beginning of Alien. So six minutes. Yes. Reagan, thoughts? I'm going to go with seven. <gasps> you price Are you right Price is writing him? Yeah, price is writing oh! One dollar, Bob. Wow. Nine minutes, 40 seconds. You are kidding me. 
me. The song itself is like less than four minutes. So you get to the chorus mm-hmm. real fast. I say it as a joke, but I also say it as like the chorus really is a release of tension in any song. And I feel like it feels deliberate in some way that you're going to get 10 minutes into this before you get a bit of that release because Hmm. it's just this ratcheting up of the stakes and the tension. And comedy is all about tension and release. Music, horror, suspense are no different. And I just find that very interesting. I don't know how um, deliberate it was on the part of John and Michael, but I think it's brilliant. And I think it works even on a subconscious level that you feel it. I think it might be deliberate, though, because what horror movie is anybody getting slashed in the first like story arc, right? Like, Ooh, like there's true? a way in which you have to kind of build up. And also, I'm picturing like a Venn diagram of things. There's the story that's being told in the first verse, mm-hmm. right? There's some of the... Um, voiceover stuff right like but if you look at the lyrics if you listen to the lyrics they're explaining like what fear feels like what's causing you to feel fear until it gets to the thing where he his voice literally crescendos to sing thriller right yeah at that point to your point about the climax like it's building up to that the Mm. other thing is like that we should never forget about michael He's a musician. Like, mm-hmm. and I don't mean that in like that he, yes, he's a vocalist, but he's also a musician. What he was also doing at the time that he stepped away from his brothers was dabbling in production. Right. He was playing around with all those lovely little synthesizers mm-hmm. and instruments and things and spending a lot of time by himself in his studio, in his home, probably with bubbles and <laughs> the chimp not. The drink. Exactly. It's like the moonwalk. We do have to clarify for some people. I have to clarify. I learned in my research he has a python that is named Muscles. Muscles, yes. Which is amazing. No, I would not be working. You could not pay me enough to work on that set. Apparently Muscles was on set. Yeah. No. No. Mm -mm. I saw that. That's the best name for a python. I scrolled past that part in that article because I was like, (laughs) nope, 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 nope. The third layer that I'm thinking of is a dancer. Right. And so there's times where the focus is fully on how he's moving to the sounds, not necessarily what he's saying or what's happening, because that evokes a whole different experience, a whole different set of feelings. And so I think it makes sense that it's a slow go up until that point until you hit the chorus instead of it just coming in and being like, hey, four lines in a verse, let's hit it. Oh, yeah. Well, there's a whole, there's a pretty long section right after he transforms into the zombie where it's just dance. And there's just that don't, don't, just the bass line under it, don't, but don't. And it's mm-hmm. all the mm-hmm. dance until it breaks back in. Well, and the dance becomes the percussion. Like, I didn't think about that until you yeah. mentioned that. But I'm like, the dancer's <sighs> steps and movements are the percussion. Yeah. Yes. It's the clapping, it's it. the movement. Yeah. I feel like in other movies, that would be silent. You would see them dancing and the music would be there, but you wouldn't hear their movement. There's something really lovely, though, about creating rhythm with a bass, right? With mm. a bass guitar, like doom, 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 doom. That, mm-hmm. like, because especially if you, a lot of music that came out at that time, if they're synthesizing beats, it doesn't sound like full-throated like a, like a drum would. Right. To your point, replicates percussion. I'm going to get in trouble with like musician friends. They're going to be like, what are you talking about? You don't know what you're talking about. <laughs> you can write us at oh, that's okay. High Podcast. I cheated on you in music class and that's <laughs> what I know. <laughs> but, um, but I do think that awesome. that creates a rhythm in a way that it makes you want to dance because you feel it, right? Like I can right. feel bass. If I'm in a room and it's loud enough, I feel the bass that almost like compels you to move. And so I think that was also something intentional. Could have been heavy drum in there. Could have been a lot of different kinds of drums. But instead, those were a little quieter. And Mm -hmm. 
later in our school day, we'll talk more about like kind of the later impact. But I would like to call back, remind me of this later. I'm going to call back to how Beyonce might have been influenced by this. Oh, oh. Cool. I mean, it wouldn't be you, Reagan, if you didn't bring Beyonce I mean... <laughs> into this somehow. It would not be a discussion with Reagan. I love it. Shout out to the beehive. Well, you guys did talk and wanted to come back to it's not a werewolf. Despite John Landis being famous for werewolves, it's a were-cat. <laughs> yeah, I learned yes. that when I read about this. I was like, oh, okay, sit down, Chris. Me too. Time to go to school. Okay, you too. <laughs> okay, too. we all did. We went to school. Didn't know. Right. Even though he's transforming into a monster, they still wanted somehow for him to be like s- still reachable and like attractive in some way, which was the word I read that yes. confused me the most in this description. Attractive. As a werecat. I mean, Look, in the world of Twilight, why do you even have to ask this question? That's actually a fair point. You got Twilight, you got furries. You know, people are into this kind of stuff. I'm not here to kink shame. That's not my That's not my game. We will not yuck anyone's yum. Uh, Never. Ben, maybe you read the same thing. I read that he was tired of doing werewolves. He just was like, no, nah, I'm going to do yeah. a cat. Like, that's literally it. Like... Exactly. Rick Baker, the makeup guy, he had just come off American Werewolf in London, right? So he's like... I really feel like this was an artist being a little fussy. Yeah. And John and Michael like looked at each other and they're like, oh, okay, Rick, it's, it's a cat. Even though everyone thinks it's a freaking werewolf. I mean, here we all are. How many years later? Decades later. And we're like, oh, it's a cat. Sure. I've, I felt like it was one of those things where they're just like, Rick is amazing. Let's throw him a bone. Let's let him think it's a cat. It's a werewolf, y'all. Let's just be clear. <laughs> it is what it is. I mean, yellow eyes. That's like a, that's a wolf. I mean, yellow eyes are a wolf. Come on. Did anybody else notice in the making of those yellow contact lenses? Are massive. Those are glass contact. Oh, like, so uncomfortable. Think about the fact that for those of us that all wear glasses now, like contacts weren't always soft and flexible. True. And however long those scenes were that they had to film, like how long did he keep those things in his eyeballs? Ben, you mentioned the un- the discomfort of him having to be in that plaster, and I completely agree. Yeah. I looked away when they were putting those contacts into his eyeballs. I looked away. I could not watch it. Yeah. I so could much saline. not watch it. It was like a flood of saline. Yes. <laughs> like They're like, hold still and look up. And I was like, oh, God. Yeah, it's like clockwork <laughs> orange, like trying to hold his eyes open. Terrible. That was dreadfully uncomfortable, and I cannot imagine what it felt like to have those in your eyes. Mm-hmm. You mentioned the persnickety Rick Baker about werecats and werewolves. And I want to go on a deep dive on a deep Easter egg that I thought was really cool in here, but I'm going to try and introduce it backwards. I'm very excited about this. So Baker, uh, do you know who Baker's mentor was in makeup and special effects? John Chambers. John Chambers. This is a name you may or may not have already mentioned on this podcast in season one. What is John Chambers' claim to fame or alleged claim to fame? Planet of the Apes. Planet of the Apes. He did that. But also, it's rumored that he might have been involved in the 1967 blurry Patterson-Gimlin Bigfoot footage. The iconic footage we all know of Bigfoot walking through the woods, doing that turn and that little strike and a pose. Yep. They think he was the one behind it, and that's a hoax. Exactly. So, this is all coming back to when... Michael and Ola walk out of the theater. There's a movie poster in the front of the theater for a movie called Schlock. And this is a real movie that John Landis directed and cast his friend, John Chambers, 
in that movie. And this is his only acting credit was in Schlock. So he gave a little shout out to John Chambers in Thriller coming out of the theater. I thought that was pretty cool. And one last footnote, as I mentioned earlier, Baker was a protege, as you mentioned, of Chambers, who went on to create Harry and Harry and the Hendersons, Bigfoot coming full circle, full 80s high, circle. wrap it up, tie it in it's a bow. so beautiful. <laughs> I'm so glad you found that too, Ben, because when I read that, I was like, giddy. I was so excited. Well, and I love how nice. they come out of the theater because this is also like, uh, Thriller is the proto exhibit Pimp My Ride. Because it's a movie in a movie. He's like, yo, I I, li- I know that you like horror movies, so I'm going to put a horror movie in your horror movie. I forgot wow. about that before the rewatch. Isn't this not Inception? Is this not Inception? Like the okay. level? Yeah, it's, it's levels. It's like a writing trope. Like it's like a <laughs> screenwriting trope. No, th- we We're would, trying to make it way more interesting. We did not have and I will ride also say, <laughs> so Chris and I have talked about Insecure. Right. And, Mm. you know, every year there's a show within the show. Issa Rae takes care to put a show within a show. And I thought about that um, because there was a very meta like movie within a movie. Oh, you're right. right? Date within a date, a film within a film, horror within a horror. It's a plot device. (laughs) Like it's a way to frame a story. But yeah, sure. Whatever you were saying before, though, it sounds right, too. <laughs> Look, we all have our references. That's what I just learned. The three of us had our different references. Exactly. We did. All we amazing did. in their own way. Now, there's, yes. there's another thing I really want to talk about in chemistry here. There is a boilerplate before this music video starts to play when you sure watch is. it. I will read it, but then I'll, I'll hand the mic over if you guys want to explain the background yes. on it. So when this music video uh, starts, it's, it's white text on just a black screen, and it reads... Due to my strong personal convictions, I wish to stress that this film in no way endorses a belief in the occult. Michael Jackson. Why does it start with that? It begins that way because, um, for those who don't know, the entire Jackson family are devout Jehovah's Witnesses. And there were concerns. We almost did not get Thriller. Even after they found all the funding and and filmed it and made this thing, right? He almost uh, scrapped it and asked them to destroy it because he was concerned. He had some family members, but also other folks with whom they worshipped would express like it may be a little close to like celebrating demons and in the occult. Mm -hmm. I was raised Christian. I was not allowed to celebrate Halloween. This is not a thing that all Christians do. And it just, well, it just wasn't a big holiday for us. Like there were others. This just wasn't one of the things, right? And I remember in the 80s watching my parents kind of negotiate what I was, how much was I allowed to, especially after we left Philly and moved to South Jersey and I was in a completely different space and I was already the only black kid and I was already the new kid and I was like all these things. What could I participate in to be a part of things, right? Right. And one of those things was like, okay, we negotiated on some Halloween stuff. So the second that I saw this, I was like, oh, mm mm-hmm. His mama done called him and said, listen. (laughs) So he was going to scrap it, but they went back and forth because obviously everybody has spent almost a million dollars on this and time and energy. And what it boiled down to was like the compromise was let's just put up a disclaimer, right? Because you don't want to offend any person who shares your faith. You don't want them to not enjoy it, but you wanted to do this primarily, they called it a vanity project because you love horror films. <laughs> you yeah. loved this one specific horror film that you wanted to recreate in some way. It was very specifically about his religious belief and putting some distance between him and the potential that it could be read as him like endorsing other beliefs that he did not share. It's crazy to think that we were that close to never having this, that he was basically like, okay, we're done. 
And if not for some of that last minute negotiation, we may not be sitting here talking about it. Mm-hmm. Send that guy an edible arrangement, whoever convinced him. <laughs> I read that uh, weeks before the premiere of the music video, church leaders from Jehovah's Witness called Michael Jackson and they're like, we will excommunicate your family from the church if you let this come yeah. out. So Jackson called his assistant, John Branca, and was like, destroy the negatives. We can't do it. I can't leave the church. And Branca's team convinced Branca, don't destroy the negatives. Right. It's like art in World War II in Germany. Like you're trying to hide it mm. so we don't lose it. And Branca, like, while he locks it up, before it gets destroyed, he talks Jackson down. He's like, let's just do this boilerplate, see if they're okay with that. There's something really interesting about, even if you're okay with you being excommunicated or punished in some way, what you're not going to do is let somebody kick your mama out of anything, right? right. Like, <laughs> there's a line. Yeah, yeah, yeah So yeah. I think if it's like you and everyone that you're related to can no longer be affiliated, that's pretty sizable threatening threat. Reagan, you touched on something really important we've talked about before. You were saying, like, what? how old were you when you moved from Philly? I was seven. Okay. So we talked in our very first episode on 80s High, we talked about the science of nostalgia. And we talked about, mm. like, these moments of transition in our childhood, especially around, like, moving or if there's change in your parents or school changes. Like, mm-hmm. oftentimes those moments are when we latch on to pop culture as, like, a, a lighthouse in the storm. And that's where, like, our favorite pop yeah. culture things come from. Are there things pop culture things from around the time of that move that you like this thriller discussion that you had with your folks, like, uh, you know, that you latch on to? For me, I, I moved from a mostly black and brown neighborhood in a city to an upper middle class white neighborhood in the suburbs. So I latched on to all things that reminded me of home. Mm. So if I wasn't, I think this is partly when I got to listen to more secular music, when I got to participate in more things that I didn't necessarily have the option to before, it was my parents' recognition that I needed to find something, some continuity and something to kind of like preserve culture. So I think... For me, it was like Kwame and New Beginning, LL Cool J, Janet, Whitney, Stevie, Prince, Michael, right? Like there were these icons. I just really threw Kwame and New Beginning in there. We're going to talk about that later, y'all. Uh, <laughs> it's a great one hit. Um, but, yeah. but like there were there were things that I kind of held on to during the transition because it was like a Linus blanket, right? Like it was it was comfort. It was familiar. It was nostalgic. And it offered something that I could offer to this new group of potential friends, whether or not they always understood it. And so, yeah, it, it became a, definitely something to hold on to for sure. That's really cool. Well, I, I think we should also mention there were a few legal issues that fell out of this. Mm-hmm. And it's challenging to say who they fall on. I mean, I, I don't know if this is really on Michael, if this is on the record label or whatever, but just the things we should put out there. Ola Ray, as we mentioned, she's the co-star. She's the one that really compliments Michael throughout this. But she didn't get paid a lot of money for this and had a really difficult time collecting royalties. And I guess apparently she blamed Jackson at first, but apologized to him. And I guess they tried to work together to do what they could. But, you know, basically not until 2009 after Jackson's passing did she really follow up with the Jackson Family Trust to try to settle money that she was owed. I mean, you know, a contract's a contract. And, you know, she deserves what she should have been paid for that performance. And I think I read that she got $2,500 in the first two years. And Vincent Price apparently only made $1,000 for his part. And that voice. But think the budget was almost a million dollars. And pay equity, y'all. 
Let's just talk about it. I mean, yeah, yeah, right? That's all I have to say. That's the whole thesis. But (laughs) (laughs) it, it is really interesting because... She got a couple of other acting jobs, and I'm I'm unclear on the timeline, but she was in, like, Beverly Hills Cop, I think, two. Two. Yeah. I think she's in two, yep. She made some other appearances on some other shows or whatever. She was transitioning from modeling into acting. This is still the thing that she is most known for, right? Mm-hmm. Like, to the point where on her Instagram, people still walk up to her and ask for selfies. If they see her, they recognize her, right? She's right. 60 years old. She looks amazing. Good for her. People can actually, like, they are like... Wait now, hold on now. You almost died on that date. Uh, (laughs) Right? Right? Like, there's something not okay with it, right? And I think the other pieces in what I read, she felt like she had a little, like, we talked about the chemistry between them being, like, very believable. Yeah. And some of that believability is because they were legit flirting, like, behind the scenes. And allegedly. That's what I Right. So, like, allegedly to get comfortable or whatever, like, you know, they spent some time. I think there was a little on-screen peck or a kiss or something like that. I don't know if it made it into the final video. But there was also a kiss, apparently, that happened behind the scenes in a trailer. Mm Mm-hmm. When that happened, she really, you know, had taken her, like, literal fangirl crush to like a real crush and uh michael insisted that he didn't want to pursue it because there was someone else like a mutual friend that they both knew that was interested in her and so he wasn't and i was like first of all that's crazy you're mj your friend will deal (laughs) (laughs) it's so cute and humble but also they'll deal right i'm saying all this to say that i think she had an expectation on a personal level from him that even if they didn't become an item, if they didn't work out, that there was some other kind of like, I got you. I'm not going to leave you hanging. Right. Your work is valued and appreciated. I appreciate you as a person. And so I think I'm glad that she continued to demand what was owed of her through all the channels. And although she didn't get uh, a few coins until after he passed away, I'm, I'm glad she kept up with it. And I hope, they adjusted for inflation. Yeah, absolutely, right? Ben, you said there was another kind of legal dispute around this video. I didn't go too down the rabbit hole, so you might have more details or not, but I I also read that John Landis, the director, claims he was owed four missing years of royalties for the music Mm. video. I mean, Ola's like the co-star, and Landis is the director. These are big names to be missing out on their cut of this video. Yeah, and I think part of the issue, too, is like there were re-releases of this in different formats. And, you know, as things evolved and it was premiered in different areas, there were different formats. In fact, they even released this in the theater. We didn't mention this so that it could be eligible for an Oscar. Oscar eligibility, I think, has to be at least one week of a showing or something like that. So Landis actually Mm -hmm. put in the theater. So there were all these different releases throughout the years. As Reagan mentioned, like it just kept Mm kind of living on. And so... I could see where maybe if, I mean, these are kind of early days of royalties. Royalties are still things that people are hashing out in court, right? Like even to this day and what that looks like. And now it's for like, what's royalties from Netflix? What's royalties from Spotify? You know, there's all these crazy things. And so not surprising that there would probably be something like that comes up, particularly for something so groundbreaking and which was so massive and made so much money and was huge. Yeah, I think there's also something to be said, though. Like, the artist makes most of their money 
they have a recording contract, right? Mm-hmm. Which they get paid up front for commitment to record music. But they make most of their money in the tour. The folks who are in the music video, it's a one-time event, right? And True. so they rely so much more on the royalty. So it's interesting, like, if there's a disconnect between the artist and the and the people who do who contribute to the art for that thing, like the artist may see the video as, and I don't think this is, maybe this is not how Michael saw it, but because he had put so much energy into this and making it like the literal PR circus that it was, there's probably a piece of of the rationale saying like, well, he's going to go out and perform this and make his money from ticket sales, right? And bookings and all those things. That was just like 10% of the broader picture of how to promote this album, this song, But I think it matters that everybody that contributes is taken care of equitably. Yeah, absolutely. Representation. Reagan, Mm -hmm. dating advice. So let's say I get invited on a date with someone who might turn into a werecat later. What should I watch out for? (laughs) I'm just going to say there were some flags throughout the sequence of this video that may or may not make it kosher for today. Oh, okay. The first thing... Folks who are who identify as and are socialized as young women are taught a litany of things to be aware of, to be afraid of, because apparently we can't trust the other like 49% of the human species. So this whole thing starting off with what? I really did run out of gas. Really? The fact that he said it like that, suspect. Super no, <laughs> sir, you could have filled up before. You, why you drive me all the way up here? You wasn't looking at the gas tank before we got to the top of this mountain. Why are we in the middle of the woods? Why are we in a city where there's another gas station? I don't understand why you don't have an extra spare tank in the back of this old car. Like, I don't get it. I don't understand. It doesn't make sense. And also, she was wearing a poodle skirt. That was supposed to be the 50s. Come on. Come on. Ooh, He's yeah. trying to take her to some faux lookout mountain BS. No. Oh, make out point, right? Make out Come point. Come on now. You know, so that's number wrong. one. Number two, number two, I'm not like the other guys. That's a scary line. First of all, said every person who was exactly like the other guys. <laughs> I can't say what that is called because this. I don't want to get a detention demerit uh, for saying the things. But yes, not like the other guys. Bing, bing, bing. Red flag. Morphing into a werecat. What? Yeah, that's not a good thing. The person you're on a date with turns into some animal and then at some point becomes a little aggressive and yells at you, get away from me. You should go. Yeah. You should not stand her. That's not the time for fight or freeze. That is for flight, ma'am. That is flight. <laughs> you need to run. So morphing into a werecat, I'm just going to say that coupled with the getaway from me, I'm going to put that as 3A and B. And I will also shout out Maya Angelou who taught us when someone tells you who they are, believe them the first time. Had you thought about that, then when we jumped out of the screen into real present day 80s, we wouldn't have had that same situation. I'm so excited it happened, but I would never have been able to predict that our thrill episode we get a Maya Angelou shout out. It's <laughs> awesome. That is awesome. I do what I can, Ben. I love it. I do what I can. Um, when we're in the present day, she expresses fear and concern. He says, no, I'm enjoying this. So he won't leave the theater where. So she has to walk out. He's just sitting there eating his popcorn. We'll talk about the popcorn momentarily. Oh, yes, we will. (laughs) That's not part of the red flags, but we will hold on to that. Oh, yes. 
So he won't leave the theater. I think that if you are on a first date or maybe even a second date with somebody and you express discomfort and they're not, y'all got, you got to go. Something's Mm -hmm. wrong. Mm -hmm. If you're on a first date, you should have somebody sitting a couple rows behind you. Yeah, just keep an eye on you. Because you can't trust this person. And if you need to go, you need a person to go with. Because what you don't want to do is leave what? The theater by yourself or with the person who was a little suspect, which Mm. is what she does. Mm -hmm. Not okay. So this is number five. Okay. Makes fun of her fear once they finally leave the theater. Mm, not not cool okay. Move. He's like, not you cool were move. really scared. You were really... This is not flirting. It puts her in a position to go, no, I wasn't really that scared. Yes, she was. You know why? Because she saw two people that looked like her and her date on the film turning into werecats. Literally looked like, <laughs> like that. Like, <laughs> looks really familiar. What's going through her mind while watching that movie? I mean, uh, please, not okay. The zombie chasing, definitely a bad flag. Um, running into the house. Oh, yeah, that's a really good point. Into the house. It's not like the Adams live there and it's it like very like well kept. It looks like Freddy Krueger's Elm Street it house to bring it back. Like it's been condemned yes. by the municipality, okay? And also, these zombies, I understand that they are the undead. I understand this. But they had to burrow through six feet of ground yeah. to come up above and chase you. And yet you thought they was going what? Not bust through this window? Yeah. Through the shutters? Very good through this door? <laughs> Like, are we thinking clearly? No, we're not. Red flag, red flag, red flag. At the very end, my final red flag. This man wakes her up when she has a terrifying, she passes out from terror. He wakes her up and goes, what's going on? It was all a dream. Was it all a dream? No, because that mofo turned around with them damn contacts in his eyes. And you know what that is, people? You know what we call that? Oh. Gaslighting. The whole thing. He's trying to make it seem like she was crazy, like she imagined oh it. Oh my god. Gaslighting. Whoa. Wow. Can you pick up that mic and drop it, please? Thank you. Yeah, careful. It's a nice mic. But like, oh. I in very legitimate ways view this music video very different after your breakdown. This is what we do for all videos. Oh my past. God. I, I want to add but on yeah. to one tip. This is good if you're in a horror movie. This is good if you're on a date. Have two exits. Like, I just want to add on to the, in <laughs> addition true. to not going into a creepy house, just be somewhere yes. where you got two exits. I'm very grateful now that I live in a world where like rideshare exists and like Uber and Lyft. It's, it's not the same as yeah. like calling a cab or having to step outside and try to hail a cab. True. I just want to be clear, like none of these things would I have stayed around long enough to experience. Let alone all six. No. Wouldn't happen. I do need to send a note that Reagan, I'm going to need you to send me that list to us because I'll we'll do an Insta story the week this comes out of your the red yes. flags of Thriller I got for you. dating. Please help you. us out. That'll be huge. I would love to walk us out of chemistry class to lunch where we're going to pick up maybe some popcorn. What else are we going to pick up? We're going to pick up some- Popcorn seems to be a popular food in this music video. Exclusive food, I think, quite frankly. Was anyone eating anything else? I mean, the undead might have eaten people off camera, but- uh, Fair. We didn't didn't see it. We're not going there. Good point. Okay. I'm going to walk us off with part of Vincent Price's lost- rap there was a whole verse that got cut that i would love for and priced all of us. in a rap well i mean they, they well, call his, his, his spoken his word poetry. thing like a rap. Yeah, 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 yeah it's referred okay. to yeah, as a rap good. yeah yeah good. it doesn't yeah. really rap all right so the cut verse was the demons squeal and sheer delight it's you they spy so plump so right 
For though the groove is hard to beat, yet still you stand with frozen feet. You try to run, you try to scream, but no more sun you'll ever see. For evil reaches from the crypt to crush you in its icy grip. That was really good. I'm, I'm disappointed <laughs> it got cut. If you ever decide to do a pageant, like you could do spoken word as your talent. Very good. I sounded yeah. like Robert Stack. I really wish I could do Vincent you were real Price. Close. You were getting there. Let's hit the lunch room. I will see you all afterward in contemporary culture. Grandpa Redenbacher, I've got it. Got what, Gary? A snack idea of the century. Take America's favorite microwave popcorn, yours, and add the flavor of cheddar cheese or sour cream and onion. Like this? Orville Redenbacher's new cheddar cheese microwave popcorn. Our sour cream and onion popcorn. Fresh, hot, and mmm. The snack idea of the century. And it's his. Wow. Two hot new microwave snacks from Orville Redenbacher. Make Halloween fun with one-stop shopping at Woolworth or Woolco for your Halloween needs. Costumes from $1.83 to $3.99, like $6 million man, bionic woman, superheroes, Batman, Superman, Spider-Man, and a new favorite for girls, Holly Hobby. You can get wrapped candies of every kind. Bubblegum, lollipops, fun-sized candy bars. Get this Halloween record. Sounds to make you shiver just $1.89. Make Halloween fun and easy. Make just one stop at Woolworth or Woolco. The problem with popcorn, I always feel like I eat too much popcorn. Like, I get very full. I eat till I am uncomfortably full with popcorn, especially if watching You're a movie. You're not eating popcorn unless you've eaten too much popcorn. So I think that's first rule of popcorn. <laughs> much. If there's no regret, did you eat popcorn? No regrets. We're so we're, we're in contemporary culture. We're talking about how this music video album, Michael- Sold a lot of popcorn? Sold oh, a lot no, of popcorn. No. And that is, that is my segue <laughs> that I'll kick this off to, is that if you are like me and love to communicate with gifts, you might have seen- Michael, eating popcorn, watching the movie. That's from Thriller, which Fox named that GIF the number one reaction GIF of all time. There's only one I enjoy more, which is of some kind of puppet pigeon, where I think it has popcorn and the little like opera looking glasses come up to its eyes. (laughs) That one I love. But I think second only to that is Michael just chucking the popcorn Right in his face. Right. It's so good. Very popular. Reagan, you said you wanted to bring it up. Did you have anything to add to no, that? No, I was just going to say it, it was the gift. The gift. Yeah. That was one of the gifts to contemporary culture, right? I'm probably going to use it at work this week. I'm not going to lie. It's probably going to come Please up Please do. I don't know the pigeon one. What would I search on a gift keyboard to see mm. this? Popcorn. Popcorn pigeon? Literally, I would do it. I just want to see it. Like, it has little opera glasses come up to its eyes. It's quite lovely. It's ridiculous. It's almost like the Muppets. It's almost like the Muppets or something. It's so good. So that was just my segue. Do you have a a way you want to start this, get into this? Well, it wouldn't be an episode of 80s High if we didn't involve the class of 80s High. And so we're trying something new. We're trying to do some of our quiz questions using our social media accounts. First off, if you didn't hear in the announcements, we're on Twitter now, as well as we're on Instagram. And so we're trying to do a lot of our quiz questions there. And we threw something out to the class of 80s High. And we said, of these following Halloween entertainment treats, which is the most iconically 80s-tastic? We put in Great Pumpkin, Charlie Brown. Mm-hmm. Thriller, mm-hmm. music video, the movie Lost Boys, Vampires, mm-hmm. and Reagan's favorite, A Nightmare on Elm Street. 
Well, Reagan's brother's favorite, so. (laughs) (laughs) I felt Thriller had the biggest impact on my personal life, and it always feels like it's top of the charts. Everyone says it. Is this true, or is it just something that's out there and it's not accurate? Well, if the class of 80s high has anything to say about it, Thriller did top this list of great iconic 80s things at 35%. It was close. Great Pumpkin got 30%. Get out of here, Charlie Brown. Mm. Lost Boys got 20. Nightmare only got 15%. That shocked me. We say this kind of phrase on this podcast all the time, but I cannot wait to do Lost Boys with you. <laughs> that's the oh, topic yeah. for this. Oh, oh, oh. I think I've said it on air. I've not seen Lost it Boys yet. A, and I kind of want to wait until we do it. So it's a wild bring ride. it up whenever you feel like, Ben. Yeah, I think it's fair to say MJ said, I'm going to set the bar high. And he shot for the stars and he hit them. He hit every single star on the way. 34 times platinum this album. There's so many accolades we could say about this um the video itself doubled sales of the album come on now like how do you even comprehend that something that had been around for so long and already done so well here's we mentioned it just kept going oh and while we're doing it let's break down some racial barriers in popular entertainment let's also popularize the making of documentary format <laughs> let's also become a global pop culture sensation my heavens Mm-hmm. To your point, the Library of Congress described it as the most famous music video of all time. Mm. And in 2009, it was the very first music video inducted into the National Film Registry. Took him mm. a little while to get around to it, but first one ever. Thus nice. cementing, this is a film. This, this is film. We have facts. We Receipts. have facts. <laughs> so 1985, best video album, Michael Jackson's Thriller. And then 84, it takes home MTV Video Music Awards, so Best Overall Performance in a Video, Best Choreography, Viewer's Choice. And then oddly, 1999 gets an MTV Video Music Award, 100 Greatest Music Videos of All Time. I mean, they, they have to get 100 music videos in the bank, right? They got to wait till there's 100. So 1999, it's, it's going to get us there. Yeah. So we have enough to actually say. Otherwise, it's like 100 come out and they're like, you're in the top 100. And you're like, yeah. Yeah. But that just means I made a music video. <laughs> Right. So other contemporary culture, I, you guys might recall around like the mid 2000s, like 2007s, 6, there were these things called flash mobs. This is not so far away, but th- these flash mobs are things where like you'd be in a very public place. These were like real people walking around and then suddenly like a choreographed dance thing would slowly evolve and, and include more and more and more and more people. And suddenly there's a big massive dance thing happening. Here. There's train stations. There was a popular prison, I think, in East Asia that did a huge one that was famous. Philippines. Philippines. Thank you. Mm-hmm. So I don't know how many times you guys got invited to thriller flash mobs, but I got several emails throughout college Asking if I wanted to come be a part of Thriller Flash Mobs. I can say I never was invited to be in one. I did used to work at a campus where there was an annual performance of it. Oh. Yeah, that was like an annual thing they would do. Again, around Halloween, a bunch of students would get together and learn the moves. And do Thriller. And not necessarily a Flash Mob, but they would plan and kind of go out. They were going to do it across campus. And so, yeah. There's a way in which Michael approached music videos, I do think seeded the concept of a flash mob, right? It also, mm. when I think about like present day, there's a there's a TV show called Zoe's Extraordinary Playlist where people just, for some inane reason, break out into song and sometimes random choreography. 
I don't know that a show like that would exist if a flash mobs in real time weren't a thing in the mid 2000s, mid aughts, right? And then if it didn't start with big over the top choreography in videos like Thriller, Beat It, Remember the Time. And I would just like to say in the shout out to, to Gen Z, if you think about like how TikTok dances trend now, they're essentially yeah. doing it, but just solo. But if you use a hashtag to be a part of a bigger mob of people doing the same dance, then it's kind of the same concept, just diffused. I mean, it's how we connect with people now in a brand new, different, exciting way. Absolutely. It's true. And and where there were like, one of the hallmarks of Motown was that there was always choreography, right? There mm. was always, if you were the Supremes, if you were the Temptations, if you were the Four Tops, if you were the Miracles, Smokey Robinson, the Miracles, there was always choreography of the background dancers. But that is one lead singer and a few people behind you doing a couple of moves, right? Right. When things sort of evolved into like, I am hiring professional dance troupe, all this stuff, also think the 80s saw the rise of popular culture recognizing very Broadway-like dance as phenomenal, right? Like we saw fame, we saw people like Debbie Allen, like all this is happening at the same time. And so I think it just created the seeds for a lot of the things that we see in culture now that just exist in a more technological fashion. Yeah. What else? What else do we think is a big influence talk about fashion and makeup that were in this and i will throw out one of the zombie costumes is at the museum of pop culture here in seattle so you can go nice. see oh, it's like a miscellaneous okay. zombie costume from thriller but it's on display nice but you mentioned that gorgeous the red outfit that michael wears in the video that red leather a decade hmm. ago one of those two jackets just the jacket was sold hmm. at auction for 1.8 million just the jacket hmm. is how iconic that look is I want somebody to like throw up on an auction block at Christie's, like my student loans alongside of <laughs> this iconography. Like name a better duo. You can bet on both of them. It's fine if you already spending that much, you might as well just throw right. in another 100K. It's fine. Oh my Ooh. gosh. I always wondered though, like leather. I feel like leather has gotten better over the decades, like yeah. in terms of quality, yeah. movability, breathability. How in the hell was Michael out here doing all these things? Everybody else was in their little rags to riches zombie moment, right? Mm -hmm, like mm -hmm. he was in head to toe, Eddie Murphy, raw, red leather. <laughs> and I just- Oh yeah, right. And I can imagine like 80, it had to have been stiff, probably not as stiff as the leather on the fonts, but I'm just saying it had to have been like stiff and yet he was still able to move. It's so true, but I think we've shown that he's not- above suffering for his art. So oh, yeah. there's also that, which is quite impressive. Yeah. One interesting thing that I was reminded of is there's a game, PopCap Games, Thank Plants vs. Zombies. And I remember playing this game and I had this version of it. So there are <gasps> these different types of zombies that you fight. You have these different plants. You're trying to keep the zombies off your lawn is the gist of this game. And one of the zombies... It looks like Michael Jackson. It's got the red jacket and everything, and it does nice. the moonwalk, and these backup dancers come up and attack, and you have to knock them all out. Anyway, that version had to be pulled out of the game because the Jackson family estate, the Michael Jackson estate, I should say, basically was like, you need to remove this from the game. Coins. Yeah, this is clearly Michael Jackson. You don't have the rights to this you know, I these like visuals. It. And so take it out. So they did end up replacing it with like a very generic 70s kind of 70s um, disco, disco dancing. So it's got like the zombie wow. has like a big yeah. white bell bottom pants and all that stuff. 
But yeah, definitely not the MJ Classic. But I think I have an old version of the game that still has <gasps> that nice. Michael Jackson the thriller Jackson version of the zombie. I thought there were some other cool ripple effects from this video that influenced other things going forward that were fun to hit. So I love the the next year, uh, a really famous Indian actor in India, Kiran Jeevi, uh, did this this movie called Kandaviti Danga in 1985, and they parody Thriller in it. They do like the whole thing. Now it's like it's Indian Bollywood sort of dance and that level budget and that time. I watched it today. I cannot recommend enough watching this thing. I was going to say, how amazing is it? Apparently made a comeback like in 2007-ish because it started to get memed. They used a clip from it and it started to show up in a meme and a gif and stuff. But the music video is ridiculous and I super recommend watching yeah. it. Ben, did you also see that uh, Taika Waititi also did one? Tell, yeah, yeah. Go into that one for sure. Mm-hmm. Oh my God, this is so great. So you might know him most recently. He's the director of Thor Ragnarok, one of the Marvel movies. What we do in the shadows, it is October, so we might as well highlight what we do in the Uh shadows. Thank you, yes. So prior to those days, he was a cult movie icon in New Zealand. One of his movies was Boy in 2010. It's his coming-of-age dramedy about this kid who's obsessed with Michael Jackson, and it offers him kind of escape from his, his father in particular and his family. And at the end credits of the movie, they also do an homage to Thriller. Again, just so much fun and also can't recommend it enough. Great little tribute. I love that tribute too, because Tyke is very big on representation from New Zealand and New Zealanders and like Aboriginal and locals from there. So in this movie with his platform as a director, being able to take a music video, sorry, short film, that (laughs) did so much about important representation on film and then merging that with Maori culture with children celebrating that with the thriller is like such a cool mix of like what that original short film was all about. I thought that was a sweet nice. merge. That was a good shout out. Reagan, I know you got some beehive connections. I, we need to hear it. Yeah. I think what I was saying earlier about how the rhythm became percussive, like the bass, there's not a single R&B artist that was not influenced, whether it was like his peers or the people that came after him, um, influenced by Michael. And I think we can see for Beyonce, when she was still with Destiny's Child, they came out with a song called Bootylicious. That was very specifically a direct reference to the way in which Michael Jackson would approach music. It starts off with a bass guitar creating yeah. the beat, no percussion, just mm-hmm. the bass guitar, very much like we have in Thriller. Um, actually, it might be an electric guitar. It's a guitar. Um, <laughs> but then fast forward to 2018 when she performed at Coachella and performed in Homecoming and also released a making of Coachella film and broadcast it on, I don't remember, it was HBO or Netflix or whatever. Inside of that making of, she talks about wanting to make sure that there were microphones placed where people could hear the dancer's feet hit the ground. Mm. Where you could hear like every step taken. So I, I don't remember who said it. One of you said earlier, like you can hear the background dancers. Like you can hear them as they take steps. You can hear them as they're doing the moves. You can yep. hear all of that. And it added to not just the spookiness of it, but it became another layer of percussion. And I can't help but think that you know, this wasn't more of, of MJ's influence on the folks that came behind him. Absolutely. Yeah. And that reference to Insight was really poignant. So I'm assuming I said that. That would have come from me probably about hearing the dance <laughs> move effects. Just, and you don't need to rewind listener to check. Just, uh, just trust me. Wow. It's probably fine. 
Wow, has anybody ever sat in between two people having a spitball fight in class? Because it's kind of what it feels it's like. It's not pleasant. Collateral damage. <laughs> no, that was a great reflection. I do want to pick up kind of two thriller proper influences mm-hmm. that came from this. So in 2009, Jackson sold the thriller rights to the Netherlander organization to stage a Broadway musical based on this video. What? I don't know that that ever happened. To my knowledge, it's still a possibility. Who knows? Also, in 2017, the music video made its world debut in a newly restored 3D version at the 74th Annual Venice Film Festival. Interesting, 3D. I don't know if I want to see that. This is like (laughs) Thriller meets Captain EO or something. Oh, Captain EO. I remember seeing that at freaking Epcot. Yeah. Wow. Yeah, so I thought that was kind of interesting. You had mentioned earlier that MTV, there was a way in which like this video helped do some like crossover work, right, culturally. And I just want to say like MTV was super young, but MTV got a lot of criticism in yep. its first decade of existence for yep. not having like balanced representation. For those who don't know, the M and MTV stands for music. Uh, (laughs) I know, right? It's crazy. It was like music television. And so much of what was out there were, you know, your David Bowie's and your, like, it was all of the white pop culture and like 80s rock artists. And yet you had mind blowingly chart topping, quote unquote, crossover acts like Whitney, like Mm -hmm. Stevie, like Prince. And only a couple of them could really like get in that door. Right. right? And Michael's thriller and part of like, we had talked earlier about the like scheduling of it and the promotion of it. Some of that was intentional, right? It was how do I kick in this door so that it stays open for somebody else to come through. And if you're going to play my thing, I'll get you the ad sales. I'll get you the views. But here's what's going to happen. You're going to play this number of times. Like you're going to do it on these dates. Like I think it was the first video by a person of color or by a black person to be played. I, I might have to fact check that, but it certainly paved the way for like a show like Yo MTV Raps to come five years later. It came five years later. Right. It certainly uh, created a little bit. It, it gave MTV a little bit of a crossover appeal in the other direction. Most often we talk about crossover in music. It is what, how folks of color are going to cross into white mainstream. But it was the other way around. How are you going to get this whole segment of a market to watch our channel? Part of his frustration that we talked about in making this, not just the music videos, but also the album, I think part of that frustration was very much at MTV and not just a lot of other mainstream outlets that were not featuring Black artists. So yeah, absolutely. Mm -hmm. That's, Mm -hmm. I mean, you can't not talk about this entire album, let alone this video, because it's such a huge success from the album. So it's like the crazy success from the crazy success. Like that's, Mm -hmm. you can't understate how much of an impact that had and hopefully how encouraging it was to artists after him to say, okay, we've seen the path. We've seen a little bit of a way forward. And and this is something that I can do. And I think, Mm -hmm. you know, to bring it back to contemporary, one of the, the artists I really think of that's blowing up is Lil Nas X. And I just think about what Mm -hmm. he's able to do in terms of like, I'm going to do things on my own terms. And I so felt like that was MJ in the 80s. And he's like the spiritual successor of that in the 2020s of like, I'm going to be my own person. I'm going to kick down barriers. And I don't know that he exists as successfully as he does without MJ starting Mm. that path. I will add a 
tiny footnote. Please. I think the PR teams <laughs> are descendants <laughs> of each other, right? Because sure, yeah, yeah, no, yeah. no one had like the marketing of this alone. Like the reason we're talking about it is because it was in our faces. Yes, it was good. It was great. It was epic. But part of its epicness was because we were never allowed to forget it was epic, right? And there's mm. a way in which people didn't learn, like Beyonce even, right? Like there are people that have changed the game and how music is promoted, released, and you are reminded of it, right? Instead of it being, I'm going to wait for the industry, aka the radio stations, the record labels to press this many records or CDs or whatever, tapes, whatever is coming out at the time. I can't be just reliant on maybe somebody will go into the store and pick it up. They took control of how it was going to be told. So I could see a direct line from like, okay, we're going to, we're going to call it a film. We're going to try to, we're going to have a premiere. We're going to have, right. not only we're going to have a premiere, like we didn't even talk about the random celebrities who were just like MJ's friends that were just kicking it on the set for no good reason. Like Jacqueline Fred Astaire Onassis. And like, Fred yeah. Astaire was like, hey, yeah. teach me how to moonwalk. Like just hanging out, <laughs> <That's> awesome. just <laughs> kicking it. I don't know else to do today. Yeah. I'm Jackie O. I'm going to just show up to Thriller while these people right? are in ridiculous makeup. It's fine. Oh, yeah. It's right? awesome. But like, Incredible. But these people also came to the premiere, which brought it cachet. It brought it attention. It brought it all these other things. And I think you get to have a Beyonce 30 years later that drops a, a an album in the middle of the night, which no one was doing before. Right? And, and then saying, not only here's the whole album, but here's all the videos for the album right now. Go consume it. Right. And then I'm going on tour in a month. And then you have a little Nas X that has his marketing scheme that is as dynamic and impactful and takes it to yet another level where he's essentially like trolling the trolls, but also saying, and you're going to like bop to the song while I do it. I also wanted to mention at that premiere you mentioned, Eddie Murphy was there. I had to look this up because I was like, I think it was Eddie. At the end of it, standing ovation, no surprise. And Eddie insisted it be played a second time. So they redid it. Which I thought was great. The cultural zeitgeist coming to your premiere of a, of a music video. I short mean. Film, short film, Sorry, short but film. still I ostensibly know. a music video. Who dresses up to go sit in a theater to watch like, uh, like a song? Right? Right, like, right? Yeah, do you know exactly. what I mean? And like further down the line, MJ's videos, like after this, they all became events. Every yeah. single one of them. Yeah. I distinctly remember remember the time yes. being a thing. It was like, well, we're going to watch and live in color and we're going to let you stay up late because they're going to mm-hmm. drop Michael Jackson's new video. And so me and my brother sitting around the TV, right? Yep. I'm waiting for this thing to happen. It became an event. And I don't think music videos as a form of promotion could have taken off without Thriller putting the stake in the ground. Mm. dum dum <laughs> This is the state. So vampire and the state. No. Keep, keep okay. going. No, keep going. Keep going. Keep explaining <laughs> it. Dig this deeper is great. until you hit zombies. I want to see how far you down. keep going. I want to see. Yeah. Keep going. Keep going. Keep going. <laughs> but yeah, I don't think it could have unfolded over the next, you know, several decades without this being the kickoff in this way. Absolutely. I have other notes I could have added, but it would be an injustice to not end this class on that. I thought that was an awesome finale. Let's go ahead. Go down to math class. I want to describe it right now. Let's just choreograph dance down there. I don't want to it's put too It's a choreographed too many. dance. Yeah, don't give it a name. It's a choreographed dance. <laughs> We're not going to name it. We can't say the thing. We can't we dissect can say it. it. I'm just going to laugh. It's we can't funny. dissect it. This isn't anatomy <laughs> class. Let's just go ahead and, you know, we're in contemporary culture. Let's all dance the way we want to down the hallway to math where we're going to <laughs> run the numbers. Good. Thank you, Megan.
Okay, math class, as you know, this is where we say, hey, how does this hold up? How does this feel today? Um, what does this say about dating in the 2020s? <laughs> so, Reagan, we want to hear from you. You are our fantastic guest for this episode. What do you think? Michael Jackson thriller video. I think it holds up for all of the best reasons, right? Like mm. the nostalgia is there. Studying this for today, I had all the feels. Mm. Felt like a kid again. Remembered, like had my own little glove. And like, you know, all of the ways in which I tried to mimic the coolest person at the time. And because nuance is everything and duality is a thing, I also think the plot of it would not necessarily hold up, right? Mm, okay. Even the horror movies that come out now are a little bit more complex. So I think the red flags probably wouldn't pass the Gen Z. What are they? They don't have Bechdel tests. What do they call it? Oh, that's <laughs> like a great it wouldn't point. Pass. Yeah, like they, right. I don't know what. The, what is, is it? Just test? like a sus the, test? Like this is? Is it a it, sus like, test? <laughs> yeah, like, yeah. It just wouldn't fit the like the the ethics of the youngest generation of today, right? Like they would look at this like that's crazy. Like I don't even know horror movie or not. No, we're right. not doing it. Right. But I do think what's interesting is it becomes an intergenerational opportunity to look at it through these different lenses. And to have this kind of point of discussion, right? Like I could sit down with my niece, talk about it. She would be like, that dance is corny. And I'd be like, y'all know none about this. <laughs> and at the same time, we could also have a conversation because I'm sure she'd be like, I would never go up on a hill with a man like that. Like, yeah. Yeah. Um, Right? So I think it's good for discourse um, and connection and nostalgia and feel goods. And also um, Ola Ray's outfit is still cute. <laughs> the fashion. I mean, yeah. those zombies, especially. I mean, she ran in like spiked pumps. I'm just going to say it. She Look, was running in red pumps through the woods. Okay. She deserves the VMA. Come on. She deserved the VMA for that. Come give on. her the movement. Yeah. Give her double whatever she finally got in that settlement. Listen. I am not joking. Not enough. Right? <laughs> Seriously. Yeah. Oh, For sure. Awesome. Thank you, Reagan. Ben, your thoughts. Yeah. I mean, I love Thriller. Whatever they're called, and we may never know, but the dance moves are iconic. <laughs> and same with the music. The music is just like in the zeitgeist of life. You hear any mm. snippet of music from any part of this song, and you know that it's Thriller. And it is fascinating that we do have one of the big holidays that happens in lots of parts of the world. It's hard to have that holiday without this song and this music mm. video. Like It is so intertwined. That is huge. It is the A Christmas Story of Christmas for Halloween. Like, it's essential. I mean, even got to the point, we didn't get to mention contemporary culture, but like, talking about kicking down doors and representation, Michelle and Barack threw this wonderful, like, Halloween party at the White House. They did a whole bunch of stuff. And like, kids came and families came. There's a whole thing going on. But one of the things they do is they do the thriller dance with the kids, like, with the music, which is like this wonderful, wholesome thing, but on a huge national stage again. Is like that's cool to see. That's cool to see. Real quick, where was our invites? I just I want to throw that. Yeah, out there. come I on. Mean... We're kids. Uh, we're kids for sure. And of course, like you've heard me all throughout October on all of our episodes talk about like all these properties are making me nostalgic again for like practical effect times and not special mm. effect like uh, mm -hmm. digital effects. And it is impressive. Mm -hmm, the makeup mm -hmm. in it is cool. The costuming is cool. Like it's great. My words are always a hurried mess of excitement, so let me calm it down <laughs> with Nancy Griffin from Vanity Fair, writing in 2010, who said, 
To me, Thriller seems like the last time that everyone on the planet got excited at the same time by the same thing. No matter where you went in the world, they were playing these songs and you could dance to them. Since then, the fragmentation of pop culture has destroyed our sense of collective exhilaration, and I miss that. Mm. Wow, that's lovely. She's not a Beyonce fan. (laughs) (laughs) Right, we've all been excited about that. Um, So yeah, I love it. I love it. I think it's great. I think Reagan points out really important points that it's like, it's complicated. Like a lot of these properties we revisit, but for what it was at the time and what it, what it did, it's great. It's awesome. Mm-hmm. As I mentioned, the King of Pop set out to set the bar as high as he could. I feel like we can all agree, but I'll just say I believe it's yet to be topped, really and truly. Mm-hmm. I don't know that anyone's topped it. I think part of his motivation was fueled by rightful spite. That is what I'm calling it. Here we go, Spite again. Here we go. At MTV, at Rolling Stone magazine, even Epic Records, who told him the album had already peaked and there was nothing left to mine from it. And MJ said, you haven't seen anything yet. I'm going to tell you right now, I love a tale of comeuppance. But moreover, and more truthfully, Thriller-inspired creators to bust ceilings, to topple barriers chuck convention and exercise creative risk all things i love and support and any steps it made toward creating more opportunities for black creators and creators of color cannot be overlooked and cannot be overstated i like to think that we can't enjoy the courageous cultural genius of lil nas x without michael first busting through the door of the dusty boarded up house called status quo and thrilling us profoundly in the process. Nicely done. Very good. Thank you so much, Reagan, for not only joining us, but I dare say putting up with us (laughs) for this episode. I learned some things. I was excited to share some things that maybe from a different perspective that maybe y'all didn't know. I feel like I am actually back in high school. Thank you. We did it. Accomplished. No, we're so glad you joined us. And it was nice to meet you. But you you put in a lot of really cool wisdom and made this really fun. And uh, we learned a lot from you, too. So this, thanks for coming on. This was great. Thank you for having me. Ben. Christopher. I believe you're going to let me know what I can expect. What we can all expect yeah. for the next episode of 80 Side. Oh, yeah. I'm so This is my favorite part of every show. I'm so excited. First of all, despite that I love Halloween and like the spooky season, we have done a lot of chilies and willies and scary stuff. Right. So I need a good palate cleanser. I need to go a 180, something just charming AF that I can go into (laughs) for the next one. So there's that. Second, you and I were talking about that it's fat bear season. It's hibernation. Mm. Lots of bears chonking up, getting Mm. their food and going deep underground to hang out for a while and then the other night we were like you know what i've 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 had too much scary stuff i've been watching lately let's watch something light so on disney plus there's uh the muppets haunted mansion right now which is like the old halloween throwback and i was like this is so charming i love it. it's very funny it's all about gonzo and rizzo and it's november coming up now the time of being thankful for friends and family and those you love the most and you love being around and i was like who hangs out underground and is so thankful for their friends and family Mm. and it's charming AF. Jump into your radishes, get your veggies and watch out for the gorgs because next week on 80s High, we're going underground to hang out with Fraggle Rock. (gasps) 
Talk about a sick baseline, Michael. Do 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 do. my yes. We've talked about doing this a long time ago. I am thrilled. Fwaggles. We get to revisit the Fwaggles. Oh my gosh. Thanks everyone for listening to 80s High Podcast by Ben and Chris. Our theme song is by Greg Reed at gregreedmusic.com with vocals by Chad Bumford. Show artwork is by Alex Goddard at alexgoddarddesign.com. If you like the show, please support us by passing a note to a friend in your next class. Also, you can rate us five stars on Apple Podcasts to help spread the rumor. Stay radical.